Welcome to Sooners Extra, the first edition of the newly branded podcast that was known as the Nonfiction Writers, podcasting in a great way from all three sides of the ball. Now, Sooners Extra, uh, powered by the Oklahoman. Uh, I'm Ryan Aber, OU beat writer for the Oklahoman, joined today by fellow OU beat writer uh, Joe Masato. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to be on the inaugural uh, (laughs) rebrand. Yeah, and uh, columnist uh, Jenny Carlson. Jenny, how are you doing? Good. That's the longest old name of all time, by the way. Replaced by the shortest, potentially. So, congratulations. Yeah, we're just trying to try the whole brevity thing and see how that goes. Nah, so I'm against it, but go ahead. It's still going to take some getting used to. But uh, the good news is we'll be doing this much more regularly uh, now than we have. We've been really good about it during the season. Not so much during the off season, but uh, we're going to try something new this time. So Kicking the pants. Here, just a few days before the spring game, the Oklahoma spring game kicks off uh, on Saturday, uh, April 13th, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, we're going to start – got to start off the, on the defensive side of the ball, and uh, that's what we'll start talking out with. Uh, Joe, uh, we, f- we found out last, late last week that Caleb Kelly and Jordan Kelly, uh, defensive tackle Jordan Kelly, Caleb Kelly linebacker, both had suffered pretty significant injuries. We're going to be out for a while. Sounds like both are ACL tears and are very likely to miss uh, next year. Um, just w- what was your initial thoughts when you, you found out that news? Well, I, th- I thought it was a more serious issue for OU given how Alex Grinch has kind of spoken this whole spring about depth already being an issue for this OU defense. And then we got the release that um, – was Kelly and Kelly to uh, to miss extended time. So so not a good day for the Kellys, not a good day for the OU defense. So uh, depth is an issue. I'm I'm really looking at okay who who's that next who's that next guy behind Caleb Kelly because he's had such an up and down uh, career going back to last year when we thought he might potentially redshirt. Mike Stoops kind of dropped us dropped that on us. I think up at Iowa State that that was uh, potentially going to happen. And then came on. Um, so, so, so now we have to see who's behind him. Yeah, and, uh, Jenny, we'll get to the how how the the new uh, defense sort of fills in that gap without Caleb Kelly gone. But uh, it looked like Caleb Kelly was going to be a big part of what Alex Grinch uh, was doing defensively. We had heard uh, uh, Grinch himself, Brian Odom, and also Kelly talk about how he felt like he fit in at that that weak side spot. Uh, by the way, this is uh, a non-Will zone. We're not going to use Will, Mike, Sam for linebackers. It's the weak side. Mike Stoops allowed Sam Bradford talk. Possibly we will talk about football, <laughs> but no, I'm not going to use any sort of random jargon with the linebackers. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't think you can. I don't think you can understate the importance of Caleb Kelly, and maybe not even a. Uh, you can sort of put his football on field stuff to the side. He's, you know, going into his fourth season. He's a guy who's played a lot of snaps. Obviously, last year was a struggle. He got uh, he got basically passed by by Curtis Bolton, lost his starting spot, but then found his way back onto the field. So he's a guy who's played in a lot of different situations. Um, very much a guy that at least outwardly looks like somebody that guys listen to, respect on that defense. And so, you know, just from the leadership and sort of, you know, comfort almost standpoint, 
you know, you, you, you don't want to be losing guys that have some idea of what it takes to play defense in the Big 12. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a really significant one. Obviously, you know, Jordan Kelly's loss, you know, you don't you always want to have as many defensive linemen as you can possibly have. So that's tough. But to me, the fact that Caleb Kelly had played a lot of snaps, um, was a guy that was, you know, soon to be a fourth-year senior, you know, that to me, there's just a lot of layers of that that, that you're going to have to deal with if you're Alex Grinch in that defense. Yeah, no doubt about it. So that'll be it'll be interesting to see how they handle the, the leadership side of the ball. Because when you talk about leadership with this defense right now, there's nobody that really stands out. I mean, Neville Gallimore's played a lot, but is he that that you know vocal leader? Yeah, that guy who's going to rally everybody together. Uh, you know, Parnell Motley, I think, is a little closer to that on the back end. And they've got some younger guys who have the ability to have that voice. A Justin Broyles type. Yeah, Justin Broyles, Trey Brown. I think those guys, you see some of that natural ability to lead. But where is it really going to come from? I think, you know, last year at this time, I don't think anybody, any of us thought that Curtis Bolton was going to be the leader of, of that defense. And, and obviously their defense last year wasn't very good overall. But the way that Curtis Bolton emerged in a leadership role I, I thought was was interesting to see. So we'll see if there's somebody else like that who really steps up to fill that void. The obvious ones are, are Kenneth Murray, uh, the, the middle linebacker who was a captain last year. Kenneth Mann, uh, who who was a captain last year, but then sort of you know didn't play as much uh, there at the end. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that fits together, even aside from the scheme questions in this Grinch defense. Yeah, looking on that back end, I mean, you mentioned him a little bit, but Trey Brown, I think he's a guy that when we, you know, go and talk to them after practice, like he's got that quality about him where I think he really can be a leader. He's very honest, it seems. He He's not one of those guys that sugarcoated things last year when they were playing so poorly, kind of like Kurt, Curtis Bolton did. Like, if you want a straight answer, you, you know you could always go to Curtis Bolton. I think Trey Brown might be that. We'll we'll see what his role is and how much he plays, but I also think Buki Radley Hiles as a young guy could could kind of be one of those leaders because, I mean, going back to this time last year, I mean, it seems like guys were talking about him before he had even played a snap as far as being kind of a vocal leader, even as a true freshman. Yeah, and I think also talking to some of his teammates and Buki last week, I, I think he's a, a really interesting guy because he does – have a lot of those same traits that we talked about with Curtis Bolton, with being very honest about things, not sugarcoating things. And with Buki, I'm talking about his own performance, that he was very honest in assessing you know, what sort of did him in last year and talking to his teammates, especially I talked to Parnell Motley a little bit off to the side last week about some of the specifics about what has made Buki take such a big step forward over this offseason. And he, he said that it was just a, a realization of, of what you need to do at this level and what it really takes versus just sort of acting like it. Mm. Now he's actually doing it. So that's uh, going to be uh, really interesting to follow. But, Joe, let's, let's stick with you starting off on replacing Caleb Kelly. There's some intriguing options uh, to as to what Alex Grinch does maybe to fill that void. Obviously, it wasn't assured that Caleb Kelly was going to be the starter at that weak side spot, but he's he's got some options there. Uh, what do you think maybe is the, the most attractive uh, choice 
for Alex Grinch to make to replace Caleb Kelly full-time? I think an intriguing name is Deshaun White. I know they might want him in the middle of that defense, in the middle of that linebacker core, but maybe he's a versatile guy that can move around to different positions. Um, Levi Draper is a name that probably gets brought up so much in the last (laughs) couple years here, just really popular as a local guy, but hasn't really found a role outside of special teams. So maybe that's someone that emerges Brian Mead's a guy who played a little last year. I mean, you're just kind of going down the roster. Yeah, Brian Mead was virtually the backup weak side linebacker last year behind Bolton. Exactly, and he was playing ahead of Kelly, Caleb Kelly at times when when Caleb Kelly might have redshirted. So he's another name. Um, But but I think we've got to look at this maybe a little differently because – whole new you know regime now with Alex Grinch and maybe he's looking at this roster completely differently not being tied down to maybe positions where guys were filling in last year and looking at is it like a blank slate where maybe it's a you know maybe it's a safety who could move down to to that position or or something like that that we don't even expect yeah Jenny oh sorry go ahead no I was gonna say you know I I do think it's um it and Ryan you said this this morning when we were talking about this you never have good timing on stuff like this, but at least they've got some additional spring practices and obviously all of the offseason and all of camp to try to figure this out. But it will be interesting to see what, what Grinch does if he does go um, with more of a linebacker shuffle or more of a position shuffle because, I mean, think about this, guys. He took a Washington State defense that I, I assume, nothing against Washington State, but I assume they didn't have as good as uh, players as Oklahoma has right now. Not on paper. When you talk yeah. about what these guys were coming in right. versus what Washington State's guys were coming in, no, yeah. they, were, they were not as good. So for him to have taken that Washington State defense and turned them into a defense that could play alongside Mike Leach's offense, get turnovers, affect ball games. To me, that's that's the thing he's looking at big picture. And what does he think is the best way to do that? Is it do, does he feel like he has to have a linebacker fill all his linebacker spots, or is it is it an athletic question? Does he just want to have you know who's the best athlete, and we'll we'll teach him how to play linebacker? I mean, I don't well, know. I think it's a really interesting yeah. question, though. I you know I, I think that that's uh, interesting. It w- went along with something we talked to Alex Grinch about a couple weeks ago. Joe, I can't remember if you were around for this part of the conversation, but when Alex Grinch talked about the inside linebackers and talked about how that was the toughest, he actually mentioned a discussion on this subject with Bob Stoops that had happened a couple days before, how inside linebacker was the toughest position to get. So I think there you've got to have somebody who's a little bit different mentally uh, to do that spot. So I think it becomes a little bit harder to move a guy uh, from another spot into that unless you're really, really comfortable with how quickly they're going to pick it up. Even five months out, I think it takes some time to to get those recognitions that you have to go through mm-hmm. when you're playing on the inside at, at linebacker, which for me is why maybe the one that stands out the most is, okay, you've got Deshaun White, you've got Kenneth Murray on the inside. Where do you use those guys? Do you stick Kenneth Murray – Stick him in the middle spot where he's been a little bit out of position the last couple of years, um, hasn't you know performed just off the charts, but I, I think that they felt solid with his progression the last couple of years, especially last year. Or do you move Kenneth Murray into a spot maybe that's a little bit more natural for him there at the, the weak side and stick a guy like Deshaun White in the middle and, and let him man that role. Well, we've we've talked about this, all of us, and we've you guys have written about it in a variety of ways. But Mike's, in Mike Stoops' defense, 
linebackers were the linchpins. And the last few years, they haven't gotten nearly the linebacker play they needed. Alex Grinch obviously brings in a different defense, brings in a different mentality. But I would venture to guess that linebacker is still it's where it's where it really has to be solid. Yeah, and that's I mean that's what Alex Grinch has said. That's what yeah. Brian Odom's talked about. He's a guy who was around for you know he's a teammate of Teddy Lehman. Yeah, he knows that kind of the linebacker history that this program has. And uh, that, to them, I think, is still the key to this whole thing. And I say that to, to, to come back to this idea, too. If they think Kenneth Murray could make more plays at weak side, put him at weak side. If they think he can make more plays at middle linebacker, leave him there. I think they have to figure out where these guys can be the most disruptive and cut them loose because they have not been that reactionary, that um, – that agent for change, really, to make the offense think, oh, my gosh, we've got to we've got to make it, we've got to do something different because those guys are going to screw with what we want to do. That hasn't been the case for a long time with Oklahoma's defense. And they've got, they've got athletes there. They've got players that look like they could affect change, but it hasn't happened. So, to me, they've got to figure out a way to unleash that or – you're just you're not going to be able in this in the Big 12 you're not going to be able to let your secondary hang on for dear life you know and the front is going to have to do some work but really I think it has to come from the linebackers so whatever that answer is I mean and obviously you don't want to be in a situation where you're trying to figure it out after an injury obviously but if that forces their hand and maybe makes them think a little differently maybe this comes overall maybe it comes out for the better yeah and, and Joe something you mentioned earlier about you know, potentially, would they move a safety or something like that? Well, one, Alex Grinch used the phrase alarmingly thin <laughs> when he talked about the secondary. I'm not sure he wants to steal anybody there. But you look at a guy with maybe those traits. Ryan Jones is a name that uh, stands out to me. You know, could he be a guy who finds a role in one of those spots, you know, given his, his history as a defensive back and uh, some of the skill set that he has? Yeah, that's a good name, and he, he's a guy that seems to have moved around um, quite a bit, playing a, a number of roles. Um, I, I just think it's such an interesting time because, I, I mean, you wrote about this, I think, last week that, you know, Grinch has to deal with the guys that are on campus now and who's going to come in in the summer as far as these new freshmen who didn't enroll early. And how much of this is going to change one to two to three years from now when he starts recruiting guys that uh, – Meet his eye uh, on film and, and his size and the speed that he wants. Not saying that OU hasn't tried to recruit, you know, the biggest and fastest and strongest guys. But I mean, I think it's, I think you do have to sort of fit these new guys to his system. And right now, like, Grinch is pretty honest. Like, it, it doesn't seem like the, the personnel that's on campus right now is, is one that he feels super comfortable with. Yeah. But like Jenny said earlier, he's done it before. He did it at Washington State. Those guys weren't. You didn't have the prototypical speed, the prototypical size, all of that stuff that Alex Grinch says now is non-negotiable. And I think you know maybe I, yeah, I wrote the story that Joe mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago, and I think some people maybe took it the wrong way. It's like, well, of course they're recruiting size and speed. Everybody, every high college coach recruits size and speed. But it's one thing to say we want this size and speed and another to say this is non-negotiable. You have to have this to play here. Yeah, and I, it's going to be interesting to see – you know uh, what Alex Grinch does with players that maybe aren't that that mesh because he's 
you know, he is dealing with other, uh, you know, uh, other coaches' recruits. And, you know, I think the other thing is, is that when we've talked about this before, the idea that, you know, a bunch of these guys were being looked at by, you know, some of the best programs in the country. Well, I mean, heck, Caleb Kelly had his pick yeah. of wherever he wanted to go. Or Buki or, yeah, you know. So did- on and on down the Bookie, list. So did Trey Brown, for that matter. I mean, yeah. So these guys, uh, you know, maybe they, uh, maybe having everybody the same size, or you know, it, it may not be the perfect mesh. But I gotta think that there's talent there to be harnessed and put into use. Now, the interesting thing also is that, despite the fact we're gonna have a spring game on Saturday, I think it's maybe most difficult to see just how far a defense has come or how well a defense is playing in the spring game. I think you can start to see some things on the offensive side of the ball that could maybe translate to an actual game. But man, it's hard to tell on the defensive side just what things are really looking like. Yeah, I mean, because they're not going to unleash, unleash no. you know, all the blitzes. Yeah. Not going after the quarterback. That kinds of stuff, <laughs> you yeah. better not. Which, <laughs> which in this defense, that's what's going to matter a whole lot more than it has in a long time is their ability to get after quarterbacks. That hasn't been – I don't want to say it hasn't been an emphasis. It just hadn't been something that Oklahoma's defense has been able to do the last few years. That, to me, is going to be what's going to stand off the page when they play Houston uh, in late August is are they able to to get after uh, a quarterback this year, especially with the front seven. So, I yeah, I'm with you, Jenny. I think it's going to be one of those things where, you know, maybe you see some signs, you see some little things that can be picked up, but I don't think we're going to get nearly the full picture uh, on Saturday as it comes to the defensive side. I think, and we'll talk about it, I think we're going to talk about more of the offensive side later this week when we yeah. get together for another podcast. Um, but, yeah, you think you're right. You can see those things. You can see whether Jalen Hurts can make some of the throws that Lincoln Riley's offense requires, but can they defend? Uh, can they, you know, rush the passer? Can they do those things? Can they uh, get the containment they need? That those answers aren't gonna aren't gonna uh, be fully available on Saturday. I do think on Saturday from the defense, it will be interesting to see just sort of the feel almost. Um, you know, is there? Um, is there a um, attempt to get, you know, strip the football to cause turnovers to, because you know you guys have have detailed this off and on, you know, rightfully so throughout the last couple of years, just the the lack of turnovers that this defense has caused. Well, and last year it wasn't just it was historic. Yes, it it was the the worst turnover number that Oklahoma had ever had, and this is talking about the you know the Gary Gibbs era, the the John Blake era. The, the Howard you know, Schnellenberger era. Yeah. yeah. The, the brief uh, <laughs> flash of an eye that was the Howard Schnellenberger era. Yeah. So, I mean, I I think it will be – I'm curious to watch with the coaches, the assistants, Grinch, whoever is on the field for, for the, the game on Saturday, for the scrimmage on Saturday, you know, how are they interacting with guys? Are you seeing – you know, maybe a little different look, feel from the defense. Are they trying to strip things out? Um, because you know, you just really haven't you really haven't seen that um, in the last few years. And so, I think that's where when you talk about you know 
Grinch and his mentality. Yeah, he's got sort of a, you know, uh, in word, but he, he's got that analytic thing going too with this many turnovers equals this many wins. I mean, he has some he has some benchmarks he wants this, this team to get to. And so it'll be curious to see, does that, does that start to show? Do we start to see some signs of that? And again, stats are, you know, yeah, it's, it's going to be impossible <laughs> to really know. But do we do we have any sort of inkling of things looking different, feeling different for the defense? I, I think that's going to be the most interesting thing to watch because, like you said, I mean, if a guy makes a play, I, I mean, you just can't take away anything from the spring game. I know, like, <laughs> a ton of people are going to want to, but it's not going to mean much months from now. But one thing is, like, I, I do think they feel a need to show the fans who are there. And with the spring game, it's a totally different atmosphere as far as a lot of the coaches are on the field. And you can see, you know, how fired up they are, how, how animated they are. And I think fans are going to want to see the defense sort of have a different attitude than they've seen in recent years, even if it's not something that, where, that you can look at a stat sheet afterward and say, wow, the defense has really improved. Maybe if you're sitting in the stands and you see Grinch getting after it and the safeties and corners getting after it and, and just maybe playing with a different attitude, I, I think that might go a long way to uh, be the first step of restoring confidence in, in what this defense can do. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, I want to talk about Jordan Kelly's injury a little bit too. Uh, Jenny, you and I talked about this a little bit on video uh, this this morning, Monday morning. Uh Jordan Kelly wasn't wasn't a guy who was uh, likely to start in this defense. Neville Gallimore is likely to be the starter there, but uh, how how big was that loss? And you know who could fill in that hole that uh, that I think a lot of people expected Jordan Kelly to be a backup there. Yeah, I mean, I think in the Big Twelve, when you're talking about the volume of plays that the a lot of these opposing offenses want to want to have every game, you know. 80 plays more I mean I I think if you are able to you know have uh uh, not only your starting four up front but a reserve at every spot if you can run you know eight guys pretty comfortably in and out on the defensive line you're feeling a whole lot better about things I mean you can run thinner than that but at some point those guys are going to get gassed and and you know that's that's part of being the size that those guys are that's how it's going to work so you know I as far as who fills the void, I probably don't have a good enough read on that just yet. But I think that, you know, that is one of those one of those things that um, I'm I'm mindful of that defensive line. I, I think I've started to think about that differently in the last, you know, probably eight or ten years. In part, and I, I know I, I know people listening to an OU podcast are going to fast forward through this next couple, you know, bits here because I'm going to mention OSU, but. When OSU used to really have a tough, tough, tough time on defense, they had no depth on the defensive line. And then they started to develop it, and it wasn't as much an issue, and that really changed the tenor of their defense. And so I think Oklahoma, you know, obviously you've got those years when you've got transcendent um, defensive linemen in the in the history of the program. Guys like, obviously, Gerald McCoy, Dusty Dvorak. Um, you can go even back into the Switzer years with, you know, whoever you want to list. There's a million <laughs> of them in that era. They had a few. They had a few. So, but to me, they haven't had, you know, obviously Obo Okoronkwo um, playing kind of that hybrid position, um, Eric Stryker in that hybrid position. But as far as true either nose guards or defensive ends that haven't sort of been in that hybrid, they have not really had that that 
standout guy and where you can start to make up for that in some regard is having great depth. And uh, so to me, the Jordan Kelly loss, not as significant as Caleb Kelly, just from, you know, what we were talking about before. But boy, that that defensive line, you got to have some bodies because those big guys are going to get tired. Yeah. And, and right now they've only got three, you know, interior defensive linemen that you feel reasonably comfortable with. Neville Gallimore, obviously, being the big one. Dylan Falmatow, which I love saying that name, by the way. Dylan, <laughs> well done. I, I appreciate it. Once you get and, it, then you just and, want to say it yeah, again and again, and, right? And just showing off. Marquise Overton. <laughs> uh, but, you know, one of the, the intriguing guys to me in that group is uh, a guy, Therese, Tyrese Lott, from, from Ardmore. Uh, played a little bit in, in 2017. Uh, played a decent amount last year as a backup would he be a guy that could move to the inside and maybe get some reps uh, from him on the interior? He's 6'2", 301, so he's got maybe the size uh, to, to play on the inside a little bit. So that, that'll that be interesting to watch uh, to me is if they move somebody from the outside uh, to that interior for a little bit of help. Yeah, that's one name. Maybe uh, Michael Thompson, is he going to switch back to uh, defensive line now? After, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> for, for one, have you seen the depth on the offensive side? Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. everybody believes that Bill Biedenboe is going to have a really good unit over there because that's just what Bill Biedenboe does. But at the same time, they need all the bodies they can get yeah. over there. Once again, asterisk, we'll talk about offense later <laughs> in the week. I, I mean – Jenny touched on it, though. I mean, the depth is so important. I, I remember when we were sort of going over the matchup, um, the, the Orange Bowl matchup against Alabama, and you're looking at Neville Gallimore and saying, well, this guy could probably be on Alabama's too deep on the defensive line. But past that, it was kind of a reach for, you know, the depth that Alabama had, even even as their second group on that defensive line is better than what OU was dealing with and what pretty much any other team in the Big 12 was dealing with. So, Again, the the Jordan Kelly injury, it's not going to kill you from like a star perspective, but just having that depth, you're you're we're talking about bodies at this point, and you're you're running out of bodies. Yeah. Do, do you? Uh, I'm sorry, Ryan. No, you're good. I was as we're thinking about defensive line. I mean, there's obviously been good defensive linemen come through the Big Twelve, but I wonder when when we look at around this league as it's gone more and more to the passing offenses and defenses have struggled to keep up and. We haven't seen as many defensive guys get drafted by the NFL, not just at OU, but around the league. I wonder if defensive line is the place that's taken the biggest hit. I mean, yeah, it it's, it is really hard to play in the secondary in the Big 12, but you can always go find speedy, you know. I, I To me, there's no question about it. The, the defensive line has taken the biggest hit with this, this evolution that we've seen yeah. over the last 20 years because – the the big time defensive linemen just aren't going to come uh, to this conference, certainly to this team. And you know Oklahoma's recruited as well defensively as anybody in the Big Twelve, but nobody in the Big Twelve is getting those top flight defensive linemen. They're going to play in the SEC. They're going to play in the Big Ten. Uh, you know it, you see one or two of them pop up in other conferences, but it's just not happening in the Big Twelve. I think you can. You can convince a linebacker to come here. You can convince uh, a secondary guy to come here and challenge himself. But it's really hard to convince a defensive lineman to do it. And yeah. I think, you know, if we see Alex Grinch convince a, you know, a top 50 defensive lineman uh, to come to Oklahoma, 
if Calvin Thibodeau pulls one, I think maybe that's a sign that uh, this thing is going along pretty well. Well, I think what Joe said is spot on. You look at like the two deep that Alabama had on their defensive line. They could have that second unit could have helped Oklahoma in an untold ways. I mean, you just see a different a different body type, a different look from defensive linemen. I mean, SEC definitely, but you mentioned Big Ten, Ryan. I think that's absolutely true. But you just you look around the league and you I mean, you occasionally see that rush end that's you know really good, uh, fast, big, all that stuff. But you're just not seeing. Jenny dropping the uh, Alex Grinch code words there. <laughs> Body type? Well, no, the rush oh. end. Oh, rush end. Oh. In, in the defense. I didn't use the, Will the or old, Sam linebacker. Well, I feel pretty good know, about that. You know, I feel a whole lot better about that, though, because, you know, you can describe the Mike linebacker as the middle linebacker, the Will is the weak side, the Sam is the strong side. And there's other ways to describe that. You can use the actual definitive words of what they are. That Jack linebacker that we've talked about the last <laughs> I don't few know years. What that is. There's no other way to describe it <laughs> outside of a rush in, which it doesn't like match up. Luckily, Alex Grinch has seen the light. There's no Jack linebacker now. It's nice. the the uh, the rush linebacker. Thank you, Mr. Grinch. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to ask each of you two questions, and I'm going to give them both to you now. Okay. Only have you answer the first one. That way, you have some time to to think about the other one as the other person answers. This sounds serious, uh, Joe. Get ready. So, <laughs> so I need the to first write these one, down. Like a, uh, no, it's like you we're pitted against, against each other <laughs> in this right. uh, <laughs> podcast room. <laughs> no, trust me, you will thank me for asking the question first, okay, uh, right. and giving you some time to think about the second answer because the first one relatively easy. Who's the guy who's going to contribute? In the spring on the defense, or in the the fall on the defensive side, that you're most interested in seeing play on Saturday and seeing what they do. The other one is who's going to be the unknown standout that we always have in these things. Last year, I think it was Robert Charlton. Uh, You know, who's going to be that guy uh, on the defensive side? Again, you're welcome for asking me, asking you guys this, and giving you some time to think. Wow. So, Jenny, we'll start off with you. Just Right. The who's the guy who will contribute in the, the fall that you're most looking forward to seeing on the defensive side of the ball? Well, you know, because of the injuries at linebacker, I think that that's created a little bit of a question of how they're going to how they're going to go there. So I'm going to give those guys a little bit of a break. I, I, I was curious to see Caleb Kelly in a new role. But now, especially if they're going to move some guys around, I want to wait and not really focus in on that. To me, you know, I think what you guys were saying earlier about a guy like Trey Brown. I, I think he's a guy that we've seen some some really nice moments from and, you know, in a secondary that um, is going to have to be better, on a defense that's going to have to be better. To me, a guy like that who's from the state, who knows – you know, he knows what it means to be a Sooner, how big of a deal that is to a guy from the state. You know, seeing him potentially not only take more steps forward, but some ownership back there. I, I'm, I'm curious to see what he does um, on Saturday. Maybe as we were talking about, you know, does it feel different? Does it look different? Maybe he's a guy where you start to see some of that. Yeah, I'm looking at the secondary as well just because I feel like it's going to be hard to tell that much from the front seven. So, I mean, I mentioned him earlier, but Buki, just because he came in with so much hype and had such a rocky 
uh, freshman season. I think it's going to be interesting to see where he lines up because if we're talking about the speed defense and recruiting bigger guys, I'm not sure where he really fits into that. I I mean, it, it seems like his skills aren't questioned, but maybe his body type is a little bit. So where are they going to line him up? And does he gain more favor in Alex Grinch's system? Does he kind of fall out of the rotation? I mean, just where does where do we see him? Yeah, that'll be uh, fascinating to watch. I think that, that was probably what I was going to say, but I'll uh, <laughs> go a different route, Joe, and stay, stay in the secondary with a guy that's been getting a lot of buzz uh, here over the last few weeks, and that's Delarian Turner-Yell. Uh, he's a guy who didn't play at the first of last year as he battled some injuries. They expected him to, to contribute and play a pretty big role going into last year. Wasn't able to happen, but toward the end, I think you saw him uh, come into a couple games late, really contribute, and I think he's a guy who has a chance to take a, a big, big step forward, uh, and, and we could be talking about him as probably you know one of the leaders of that secondary when it's all said and done. So he's going to be the guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing on Saturday in Oklahoma Spring game. Now, Jenny, give me that, the, give me that the question unsung. again. I want to hear it again. Make sure, <laughs> make sure I heard you right. Okay, give well, it to me one more time. Who's the guy who maybe isn't going to contribute much in the spring? Who's going? Who's most likely to have a big spring game? Because every year we have one of these guys that we don't hear from much. Come, during come the, season, the fall, yeah. But okay. has a big spring game. Last year it was okay. Robert Charlton. Oof. We've seen a couple others uh, come up with big-time games. You know, because of, again, asterisk more offense later in the week, because of the offensive line difficulties, I got to think it's one of these rush ends. I'm doing air quotes now, <laughs> rush ends. So I don't know. I mean, is that uh, – but I was looking at, you know, who that could be potentially – and a lot of those guys I could see actually playing well, a decent amount. Well, a lot of those guys better play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So a I'm, decent amount. I, I, I mean, I'm guys tra- like Ronnie Perkins, guys like Mark Jackson. Exactly. Uh, Lott. The, the, yeah, Tyrese Lott. I mean, I, 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 I think there's a good chance that one of those guys has a, a really big big day um, on, on Saturday. You know, maybe – I know they're not coming after the quarterback necessarily, but we could see, you know, a guy that gets – some of those touch tackle uh, sacks that everybody loves on uh, spring day when uh, you know the quarterbacks are in the the blue jerseys, but um, but they they don't have a ton of options at end, and most of those guys are probably going to play. So uh, I don't know. Is that I mean, do you go with uh, who do you go with? Do you say uh, let me see here? I hate to pick out a guy that is going to be big. How about Isaiah Thomas? Yeah. How about Isaiah Thomas? Defensive end, he's got, probably got the least amount of experience of all the defensive ends. I'll say he doesn't play much of a role um, in the uh, in the uh, 19 season, but he has a great day on Saturday. All right, so we'll see if uh, Isaiah Thomas pans out. Joe, who you got? That's a good pick. I'm, I probably didn't pick someone who isn't going to have a role in 2019, but – because we just heard his name, and apparently the coaches really like him, but Laron Stokes yeah. um, is a guy that, you know, maybe not a great choice for this question because maybe he will play, but... Um, maybe he would have been a good choice for the last question. Yeah, maybe maybe so. From NEO, he's a, he's a Tulsa kid, uh, transferred here. I think he has two years of eligibility left, so... He's a guy that, you know, Lincoln was, was saying the other day, not a lot of, you know, 
not a lot of big programs were on to him. I, I don't think he was well recruited at all. And it was kind of a late thing in the process where OU kind of talked to him and then signed him very quickly. So um, for maybe Laurent Stokes for, for the answer to both of those questions. Okay. And Joe, I'm going to go with one that I'm disappointed you didn't come up with. Uh oh. Oh, gosh. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to go with Josh Schenck. I'm going to go Josh a guy Schenck. who probably isn't going to contribute much in the fall. I'm going to say Josh Schenck finds a way to make a couple big plays uh, on Saturday in the spring game. The uh, linebacker who uh, you, the yeah, the ROTC guy, Joe, you uh, wrote about him last year, right? Yeah. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see what cool. happens, but cool it seems like every year there's one or two guys that step out and have really good spring games that you're like, who is that? <laughs> you know, there like was going down the roster, uh, like what numbers? There was Robert Charlton. There was uh, Devin Montgomery, the running back, yep. who we found out had a really interesting backstory as well a couple years ago. We wrote it up that day because we were yes, like, right. I don't think he's going to be doing anything yeah, in the we're, fall. We're not going to get a chance to write about this guy <laughs> in the fall, so we'll see who we're writing about. On Saturday. And the good news is the three of us will be back together post-game, and we can talk about how yes. we either hit or missed. Yes, how we about will. That? We will definitely uh, be back. But we're going to be back one time before that. That's right. We're going to talk, I think, uh, maybe on Thursday when we get in here to, to do some video and talk about uh, OU Spring football as well. But we're going to talk about the offensive side. But thank you so much for joining the inaugural uh uh, Sooners Extra podcast. Gosh, I still want to say the nonfiction writers <laughs> podcasting in a great way from all three sides of the ball. And we're still going to find a way to work that in. But we are Sooners Extra. Find it on, on iTunes and everywhere else you uh, look for podcasts. And we'll be back. We've got some interesting stuff planned uh, for the podcast moving forward. So thank you so much for joining us again. I hope you stick with us. Until then, you can check out uh, us every day in the Oklahoman. Uh, or every day at newsok.com and every morning in the Oklahoma for the best OU coverage anywhere.